it comes. It's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 35 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I'll be hosting Jared Houston. Wanting, want to, is just essentially open your mind and open your heart for a change. And when you ask God for a new heart, when you ask God for a new mind, then you do those things and he does do it. Then you do. You have to want to do it daily because it's always easy um, because that person, the other person on the outside of your mind is going to be tapping you. Diablo is going to be tapping you to keep hitting that spot to say, hey, you're still this same person that you were. You still that same self-centered. You're still this same person that you used to be when you have to want to think differently. You have to think new every day because if not, you're going to stay in that same space. Jared's expertise first comes from his own participation in a variety of sports. He was a nationally ranked wrestler, three-year college varsity football letterman, a black belt in karate in which he has over 12 years of experience. His undergraduate degree is in business management, and he obtained his master's degree in human performance sports sciences. He then took his love of sports and business savvy and began personal training. Although Jared is known for his unique and creativity, he knew the importance of taking his training to another level by becoming well-diverse in multiple certifications, such as International Sports Science Association, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist, and Bigger, Faster, Stronger. Jared has composed and ran multiple strength, speed, agility, and flexibility camps for the ages ranging from 5 to 25. He has also worked with professional players in the NFL, FIBA, WNBA, and minor league baseball. With his experiences, Jared is able to cover all aspects needed for success, assessment and evaluation, development, programming, analysts, and research. And he was recently the strength and conditioning coach at UNLV and is currently working with uh, Tyler Thompson and Bobby Bones and many others at Title Boxing Club. He's married to Laura Houston, and they have three children. I know you will enjoy this um, episode. I kind of wanted to, uh, I guess I've been kind of thinking to wing one, not spend so much time on questions. And so when I sat down with Jared, that was not the plan. But after, I'd say, the first 25 minutes, we might have covered one, maybe two questions. He dove into a lot of his childhood experiences and environment and a lot of... uh, a lot of transparency in that, and uh, man, we had a great, great conversation. Actually, I'm meeting uh, meeting him for a coffee today to uh, discuss some stuff. Anyways, um, I know you enjoy this this episode as much as I did. Feel free to uh, email, message, Facebook, whatever. And let me know. Uh, let me know your thoughts. And the musical guest today is going to be Ross Holmes. I'm pulling one of the uh, songs from the archive and throwing it back on there. Sit back. And enjoy the conversation that Jared and I had. Hello, Nashville. Today I am hanging out with Jared Houston in uh, on Church Street in downtown Nashville. And I tell you what, the great thing about welcome, Jared. Hey, nice to be here. Great thing about us switching the date, man. I rolled in. There was like no traffic. Oh no, it was beautiful. Presidents Day, baby. I know, I know. <laughs> and actually, my wife before I le- before I left, she shows me a pic. She's like, "Oh my gosh, a friend of ours." 
he snaps a pick and they got their kid up ready yeah. for school, sitting there waiting on the bus. But, bus doesn't show up. He realized, oh, it's President. Yeah, Smith. you're gonna be with me all day. Nellie's like, oh no. I'm like, that's hilarious. He's, She's like, no, it's not. He's excited now. Yay! Oh, I no. get the kid all day. Yeah. So uh, Jared Houston is a multifaceted strength and conditioning coach with a very diverse background in sports. He is often called the go-to guy because of his innovative and one-of-a-kind approach to training. When it comes to fine-tuning specific training and taking your overall game and athletic ability to the next level, he has been pegged as the trainer who knows how to individually design and get you there. So that's a little bit about Jared. I got more on his his intro, um, as you already heard. But uh, so Jared, outside of your bio, what are a couple of things you have going on that get you excited each day? Well, I have my beautiful wife. Um, we've been married. We're going on three years, but we've known each other for fifteen and a half years. I know. Wow. Yes. So we might we might talk about fear of commitment somewhere in there. Fear of commitment, how <laughs> how much of a child I was. She waited on me. So thank you, Laura. I love you. Because uh, <laughs> I would have left 20 oh. times. <laughs> um, I have a beautiful son. His, uh, my oldest is Amari. He's nine. Uh, my, my wild, my fierce daughter, she's one. And uh, we're expecting a son any moment now, um, Asa. Um, and just excited. I I mean, I, two things about me. I love the Lord, and I am absolutely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just try to live every day, have a good time. Um, obviously, there's ups and downs, but I, I'm just, it's a blessing that I'm right here right now um, in this rambler that makes me feel like I'm back in Jefferson City, my hometown. So thank you, Andrew, for having me on for real, man. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. I love the uh, the crazy comment. And I could tell that just a bit watching some of your Instagram videos. But that's what I love when my wife's like, you're so crazy. I can't believe you said that. And I'm like, I kind of like that. That's... Like, I, you know, I mean, you gotta. I've learned to have a little more of the filter, you know. But, uh, yeah, you got to have it because that, that makes life a little fun, you know. I had a coach when I was younger tell me all the time, sometimes it takes crazy to bring out greatness. Mm. Never really understood that. This this idea yeah. is crazy. I mean, it was crazy. My wife. I mean, this idea, but it is amazing. Cause how many people are doing it, man? Nobody's doing this. This is amazing. I know, and I, I, my wife couldn't see that vision when I was in the garage for four months. Yeah. You know, cause I was almost probably about to live in this thing yeah. for the rest of my life. <laughs> I believe know? it. I believe Actually, it. Actually, and I've told this uh, a few times on here. Whenever I decided I was going to do it, she, you know, she wasn't totally on board, but. One day I'm like, hey, they're, you know, they're coming to drop the camper off. What? We hadn't even talked about what, yeah. you know? And um, and then I was talking with somebody and they're like, oh, it's like, uh, actually, it's full disclosure. I believe it was our marriage counselor. <laughs> and uh, they said, uh, they were like, yeah, she, you know, she feels like you're running over her. And I'm like, no, I'm just dragging her behind, you know, <laughs> I'm not running her over. But but now she sees the vision. Now she sees the vision. Sometimes yeah. it takes that. Sometimes mm -hmm. it takes it. It takes some craziness. Yeah, you got to trust, you know. Yeah, my wife saw it 15 years ago, and I did not. <laughs> That's awesome. Once again, thank you, Laura. Yeah. <laughs> Let's begin by getting some insight into preteen years. What was your family environment like, and uh, what were some of the outside influences that began to shape you? Hmm. Deep already, huh? Oh, yeah. Um, Jump right in. To be honest, preteen, well, let's just start, and then I'll digress a little mm -hmm. bit. I moved out when I was 16 years old. Um, 
And because of that, because I grew up in a very abusive home, um, so many things in life. Um, I mean, it is it, it's so hard to talk about sometimes because I've actually I did not talk about this until December the 7th of 2014. That's the first time. And it was probably in front of almost 2000 people. Wow. Um, and so to, to sit here right now in this rambler, I know it's, it's only God. So I, I thank you. Um, but growing up, uh, two brothers and a sister went through sexual abuse um, through many babysitters, through many different people um, and, and physical abuse and mental abuse in the home. I mean, my dad, uh, God love him. I mean, I talk to him every day now. Um, he is real because he's changed. But that's what defines me. You, It defined me. Um, I grew up in a fighting home. My dad was a fourth degree black belt. I grew up um, boxing. I grew up wrestling. I grew up mixed martial arts. Um, that's all we did. And, and the abuse in the home. So as I say, a part of your environment, that's all I knew. If I was happy, I fought. If I was sad, I fought. Um, the only emotion I knew to show was was fighting. So that was kind of a precursor to who I was, and that's what took so long um, for me to put back, put away my childish things, and kind of become the adult that God is having me be every day. And it's still a struggle. Yeah. Because one of my weaknesses, He says, "No, your weakness is my anger." Cause I get mad quickly. See, that's why I said once I read your bio, I'm like, man, I'm gonna be really nice in here because he might do some. Yeah. But uh, that's but he, my dad always told me to 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 walk away, but he never really showed me that. Mm. Um, and that was the hardest thing for me. That's why everybody says, Jared, why don't you fight? Because I couldn't. I was cultured in fighting. I couldn't control myself. I liked hurting people. Isn't it funny how his parents, my dad used to always be like, now don't you do this? And he would be drunk and yeah. smoking cigarettes and, you know, nonstop and like, don't do this when well, you, you get know, older. And it's like, you know, though, I just do as I say, not yeah, as I do, yeah. you know, and I'm like, what? Like, no, that's that's why I try to be so different with my son. That's why I try to be so different with my daughter. Um, and, and I think that's that's what's crazy, man. Because you don't you don't really see how you can shape somebody's life, affect or affect people's lives by a certain the ways you act the way because kids are sponges. Mm. <laughs> we they see everything. They hear everything. Um, and just to be able to say that I came through so many trials and that God brought me through those things and to say where I'm at right now is only a blessing mm -hmm. because there are many times that I should be one or two things dead or in jail. So like 10 years, um, did you fight a lot or because you knew your, your weakness, Man. you didn't, I fought a lot. Okay. Uh, I actually have, so you the, didn't walk away. As I did not okay. walk away. Um, and my dad, even though he'd tell me to walk away, he'd say, if you started something, you better finish it. And also, I got to think, not make an excuse for my dad. He grew up in a very, we grew up in an area, 96% white. My mom, mm. they wouldn't teach my mom when she was younger. So it was very, a very racist, prejudiced uh, area growing up. Don't know why they didn't leave, but um, <laughs> <laughs> could have been, been an easy way out. But um, I guess people are driven by fear a lot of times. Yes. And that is... You know, that's one reason why small mentality. You can you can be from a small town, but 
but have a a bigger and open mindset as far as growth mindset. But I think a lot of times growing up and I look back, my parents had a fixed mindset. And even though they they motivated us in sports, they motivated us in school. They really were driven by fear. They really had a fixed mindset, not a growth mindset. And that was that is so scary to me. And, you know, it's interesting when you think about with living in a setting like that, like your parents and the fear how much how unhappy they could have been and how that comes out in different ways towards kids you know because i that's the thing like i've kind of been on a journey this last year and uh realizing a lot of stuff and it's like man why don't i have joy you know it's like but then when you think about some of the stuff you deal with it's like if you can get some of that stuff under control it's going to come out and and your kids are going to see it you know because like you said the sponge part it's uh it's kind of scary isn't it? <laughs> it is uh, so scary my first son um is not with my wife so obviously i did a lot of things that i'm not proud of but i thank god for that gift that he gave me of my oldest son but i realized after i had him that if i knew the consequences or repercussions of laying with someone outside of marriage then I never would have done it because what my son saw, the things of him not being around us, the time apart, mm-hmm. that's what you don't think about. So that's one reason my dad used to always say, know the consequences and repercussions of your actions. You know, even though he didn't do those things a lot of times, that's why I always thank God for him because he showed me what to do as a man and what not to do as a man. And I try to really live that daily. Mm-hmm. Um by examining myself, because because it is being around people on a day to day basis, I know that people are gonna forget all the the accolades and and things like that. But people will not forget how you treated them. They they won't forget that. So curious, did you go through a stage, say, with your dad, to where it was like, when young, regardless of the situation, you possibly still love them, respect them, and then you went to a did you ever go to a stage where it's like you resent them and then you found grace and now you love them you know what i mean 100 percent. i uh i hated my dad i remember i was nine years old he was leaving for work one day and i said i hope you never come back and he looked at me and said i hope i don't either um so it was it was a fearful respect i almost looked to my dad as a god and um that's why I left when I was 16. Honestly, um, never told anyone this. I was going, I wanted to kill my dad mm. um, because of the things that he had done, because of the things that I had seen um, to my mom. And I was frustrated. So I left. When I left, <laughs> it's crazy. My sister's five years older than me. I helped my sister get her apartment. Um, I bought my sister her first car um, and we lived together. Now, people say that's, not leaving but during that time i was everywhere i was staying with people and my mom will still deny it to this day but it was my life i I won't forget it but that that grace period it took me until my 30th birthday i actually told my mom about the sexual abuse i actually told my mom about the things and um i'll never forget it. i was in her back room and in the bedroom with her and she fell to her knees And uh, she said, Jared, it all makes sense because so many people said, Jared, you were you're a bad kid. My kind of tell you, my my oldest brother's 11 months older than me. I love him to death. But he is 
he made it so hard for me. I mean, this guy, he carried a Bible and wore a three-piece suit since he was in the third grade. Uh, (laughs) It was like to live up to that standard. He was Mr. J-C-H-S, Mr. J-M-S, Mr. Jefferson Elementary. I mean, always, always doing well in school. Um, My sister, she was DECA president at the state of Tennessee. She was also, she won so many accolades. Um, my youngest brother was an All-American. Now I was, you know, I had all these accolades, all state, all these accolades in sports, and I always made good grades. But it was never for me. It was always fear-based. If I brought a B in the house, don't my son doesn't make Bs. If uh if if I didn't, if I scored one touchdown, well, you should have scored three. It was never a good job, even though I think they were trying to motivate me because where they came from, but they did it from a fe- from fear instead of a positive reinforcement. And I think that is exactly why I am. I thank God that's why I am the way I am now. Mm-hmm. That's why when people say it's hard, I laugh. Because it's, yeah. it's really it's all not. Perspective, it's right? all perspective. Like, my life is not the hardest ever. But at the same time, we can all relate. It's like men of like attainment. When you see someone... I know that the Lord allowed me to go through certain things to be able to to relate to other people. Isn't it? And so when I asked you the one question about the journey, because that's kind of how like I saw some stuff with my dad, and my stepmom of abuse and my dad was an alcoholic. And so it, it's interesting to look back as a kid and and like the nature part was because of him. Now we'd go out and enjoy the park. Yep. It was fun to about mm, Two o'clock, and then the alcohol started kicking in, and then you know you're, you you got to cut it short. But it was just kind of like you had this this grace and fear. I mean, a, a fear and a respect of your dad, and I learned a lot of stuff. But then when I got a little older, I was like, dude, I would never associate with someone like that. Absolutely. Why do I even want to call him? You know, like I don't really want to have anything to do with him, regardless if the Bible's like love and respect your parents yeah. and stuff. It's like I would not associate that, and. Um, so I kind of I went through that stage. It was kind of fun sometimes because he would call and I'd, I'd be a pretty smart aleck with him. You know? Yeah. Um, but then then some grace came in, and then it was like you know what? Then you had to put in perspective what he grew up in. An alcoholic. I mean, it was crazy, and he went to prison at like seventeen or eighteen. And so it, you know, I think that's probably many things with life is is pausing and, and trying to put it in perspective that gives you a lot more grace for what somebody's gone through, you know. And um, and then yeah, then his last year of, of life, he was in a retirement home with his uh, with his mom. Yeah, <laughs> go figure, right? I mean, you talk about a humbling experience, <laughs> yeah. and uh, but his family got to see a side of him that they hadn't probably ever seen. Yeah, and then he passed away because he probably was going to get out and do the same thing over. Yeah, that's some uh, crazy stuff right there. So, and actually, I'm curious. So, did your siblings have the same kind of experience? Yes, but there are multiple facets to people, right? So, when people, my youngest brother, um, Scooter, with his nickname is Scooter because he was so fast, he kept everything in. Um, but we were so close, so we could talk to each other about things, but it was never as don't talk to anything about don't tell anybody anything my oldest brother as much as he knew the bible as much as he i mean he can he is just a bible scholar he would be resentful he would just hold a grudge till the day 
<laughs> I mean, he's the same way. My sister, five years older, she saw the most. Um, I think because the, the boys were so close and everyone kind of knew us in the tri-states area because of sports and because of things. My dad trained the police department. Um, my dad was he knew a lot of people, so no one ever got to see that. And so my sister went through a lot because she was the only girl. And so still to this day, she is she has shown me so much how people how you can change when you open your heart to do those things because I actually feel bad for her. Um, I actually, when I hold my daughter Leilani, I think about my, my sister a lot because I, I can't imagine what it's like to be in a house full of men and be the only girl um, and not be able to talk to anybody, not be able to, to feel by yourself, to feel lonely. And so that's why I always, uh, it's, I don't even know where this is coming from, but every morning I look at her, make her look herself in the mirror and tell her she is pretty, she is smart, she is strong, that she can do anything. She's fast and she can do anything. She puts her heart and mind to a God because I never saw that mm -hmm. with my dad. I never saw that. It was always tough love from the boy's point of view. And I think that was because he grew up uh, with so many brothers and sisters and that his sisters went through things that he had to uh he kind of felt like he had to be the buckler instead, and he and it was so much harder for her. So, you know, and I think that's the important thing too is when they say break the generational court curse. You know, I think it's the I think a lot of that curse is the environment you're raised in because that's how we, you know, show love. You know, that's why it's like, oh man, why is it so difficult to my my middle child? I love him, but it's he's like the sandpaper, and you know, it's crazy. <clears throat> I was getting on him the other day. Because when I'm getting on to him, he starts laughing. Yeah. It's an uncomfortable laugh. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, take this serious. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, but that, that shows a lot with me. But as I'm, as I'm talking to him, so I'm in a mastermind group and, uh, the, the lead guys called me out a couple of times. He's like, you are not, you, you, you get to where you're, you're, throw some humor in, you're not as serious at times, you know. And it just made me think, I'm like, man, that's probably what I do. And that's what frustrates that's, him because it's like, like because crazy and humor, like sometimes in seriousness, I go there, you yep. know? And uh, so my middle child, yeah, it's, 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 so that's kind of what I'm looking at, breaking that generational curse of like really showing love. And it's so difficult because you just resort back to your environment. What's easy, right? Cause yeah. I mean, you you get shaped to this this type of character because of a lot of your environment and so it's easy to just slide back into that you know do you think your oldest son makes you uh uncomfortable like that because well, he's more like you than that's, the middle child yes, do you think he's I, I i i don't know i don't know so i, mean, I was yeah, the, he is i was like, the middle child yeah that's what i was yeah I was the middle child and no matter what my dad would have me with him all the time like i was with him all the time yeah. I, I still I, I, I still don't understand it. It was like it would be in bad situations. I'd laugh. You know, my dad would say, you have the worst sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> my brother falls down the steps. I right, laugh. Right, right. Like it is like I don't I don't know. But it was the fact that we were so much alike that mm -hmm. it terrified me when I got older. Um, and that's why some things I just stayed away from, like yeah. because I know it's like sometimes you know the worst thing was when I was coming up, my mom would say, "You act just like your dad," 
And that would freak me out. But now when I look back, I'm like, that's like my dad. And it doesn't freak me out now. I kind of laugh. But I, I just step back and say, wow, like we are shaped by the environment. Yeah, like yeah. it is. Yeah. But my, my youngest, my oldest son is so much like me. I mean, he is quick. He's on his toes. Yes, I said I'm quick and on my toes. Uh, <laughs> but he is so sarcastic. Yeah. I mean, he is matter of fact. And it does not, does not go well with adults. Right. He's right. the smartest in his class. They've tried to, he's in the fourth grade. They try to skip him to the sixth grade. Wow. Like he yeah. is very advanced and it, it doesn't go well with adults. And I try to tell him, son, you can't. And he's so matter of fact that when you tell him that it just doesn't, he's like, well, it doesn't make sense. They asked that. So I told him mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. just like, I'm like, son, that's going to get you in trouble. Well, well, dad, respect is earned. He's nine years old. I say, no, you respect your elder son. Or I'm going to bust your butt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he said, well, well I, I understand that, dad. But but they said it like this. And so in his mind, he's right. already processing and analyzing the way that they said it was condescending. The way he doesn't know that. But he's thinking, dad, why would they talk to me like that? And so that's why mm. I always say it when the word says Kids can be stressed. Kids can. So I literally sometimes I do. And it says out of the mouth of babes. I do talk to him and ask him certain things sometimes because he, he keeps it so simple. Right. So plain. And I'm just like, OK, it makes sense. But yeah. Isn't that, that funny, though, as the kids, as you see, like you see, there's a lot of positive traits in that. And you, my wife, she was on the phone with a, a parent the other day. And apparently Bryce was talking to a friend and he wanted some information and so Bryce is like, you got a gift card? Yeah. <laughs> he, somebody threw out, well, so he gives him a $10 gift card and Bryce gives some information on some girl. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and Bryce is like, that's my gift card. I got it. Yeah. You know? And Natalie's talking to the parent and my wife, you know, feels bad. And well, you don't ever do that. And I'm just like, look, the kid's got to learn the lesson. He's the one that said yes to it. Yeah. And uh, so he's got good negotiation skills. Nice. And that's what dad does is sell. You yeah, sell. Is. And he's, he already says he wants to be a realtor. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I see the positive traits, but then it's like, all right, but you got to be aware that this other kid on the other side is potentially going to the mom and yeah. your parent. And then, you know, anyway, so it's funny how you can see those positive things, but it's like, there's a time and place to let yeah. that out. So know? did you kind of like. Oh yeah, on yeah. The side well, and they'd be like, you know well. what I did? I actually, this is this is what I did, and I shouldn't have done. It disagree with the wife and yeah. the kid. You know, that's because yeah, I'm just like. Then it's ah, a bigger thing. Than like. Yeah, I'm like ah. Same thing. So my nephew and my son, they are they call each other brother. My they are six months apart, and they are oh my gosh, they're hustlers. Like my dad's run car lots. He has buy here pay here's. He like I grew up hustling. And my nephew, they buy on Pinterest, not Pinterest, but these little cheap websites. They buy like dollar watches and stuff. Okay. Then they take them to school, sell them for 25 bucks. Wow. And I say, why do you do that? I say, you're actually taking advantage of people and that's not right. He said, well, they, they gave me 25 bucks for it, though, Dad. 
I said, no, 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 son, that's not what I'm saying. Like, just because they would give you $25 for the watch, they well, they, they're the ones that said that. I, I, he said, I would have took five, but they said 25. I said, son, that, that's not how we do things. But in the same sense, I, I sold suckers. I took suckers to school. I took packs of gum. Like, I was that person that they made rules in elementary school. Like, Jared, you can't do this. <laughs> well, and it's just like in real estate. I mean, same thing. Somebody says, oh, that house isn't worth it. I'm like, if somebody's willing if somebody, to pay it. That's what they say, the American dollar. The American dollar, if that's the, if then then that would say the, the currency <laughs> would be at the same in every country, right? The dollar is what you make of it. So what's the outcome with the watches? Does he have to set a price? He does no longer sells them. He, we just stepped, because he, because I know. I know him. <laughs> it is. I mean, just. Tough though, but then you think about some of the the successful people and where they started out. Absolutely. You know, hundred like, percent. I'm just like, no, sir. I think you set a limit, and then you just maybe you let them sell them, but yeah. you have it like ten dollars. Like, like you you can't get twenty five percent or what twenty five hundred percent market. You know, because yeah, Bryce jewelry. Did, Bryce did that when they were trading. Um, uh, whatever you call it, a Pokemon card. Oh, God. And this kid's like, okay, and, and Bryce probably didn't even know the values of, of the cards, but he gets this, um, you know, this thing for five bucks, and it was probably like $20 or something. Well, again, same scenario, gets home, my wife gets a message. <laughs> no, actually, a teacher called because the kid was crying. Oh, pick yep. up line. And it's like, but he made the... But he all right. Anyways, so man, that was like that was a lot of questions in. Yes, My goodness, fine. no, that's fine. That's Actually, crazy. You know, but you know what's funny though is like, so I have these questions and I you know try to pull out some of the yeah. stuff right, but I always go. I just want to like hop in and wing it. Yeah. So we kind of winged it right there. That was uh, one question, right? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it's so, like Jared talk forever. <laughs> no, it was it was back and forth. All right. So college. Um, was college for fun or for learning? If you were convincing someone to go to college, what would you say? What major did you go with and why? So three questions in one. College was so fun. I would have never went to college, but the only reason I went to college is to prove my high school coach wrong. Um, I had wrestling scholarships, but I decided they said I was too small to play football. And I said, it, I'm going to play football. So I went to school to be to get a degree in football. <laughs> I walked on, I started, I got a scholarship, and I played football. School was the extracurricular activity for me. I was learning was never hard, especially if I liked it. But I used to always tell people I had a photographic memory. I never paid attention, but I somehow passed the test. I still don't get it. Um, that is just a gift, honestly. You paid attention in class, I take it, right? I, oh, yeah, 100%. Okay, right. Uh, I never took notes. I never took a book home. Uh, even in even in my grad even in grad school, I never felt accomplished. When I walked across the stage for undergrad, um, I didn't feel accomplished because it didn't feel challenging. Now, were there some classes, quantitative analysis? Oh gosh, those classes were terrible. Finance, terrible. But I got through them. Um, it, it was never the only reason why I wanted to do well was because I knew I had to keep a certain GPA to play football. But I did. I graduated on the dean's list. I did those things, and I was I was proud of it. But I would tell anybody if they're going to school, make sure that there's no extracurricular things that you're going to school for. Make sure you're going to learn because one thing I realize now, people can take like I say, accolade, but they can't take your knowledge. They can't. My dad used to always say, knowledge is retaining. 
wisdom is transferring. Mm -hmm. It's transferable. Mm -hmm. I never realized that. that. Like, and it's the truth. So many people can pass tests. Real estate. You know, I went to school and took the first or went and took the first part of my real estate license, right? And then they said, Jared, you gotta take another part. And I said, What? How much is it? No. And they said, You gotta stay under this guy for eight months. I said, No, 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 I'm ready to sell now. Let me take this test. But I understood that what I realized was is that I had the knowledge to retain it and memorize all the the all the information, but the transfer the wisdom, being mm-hmm. under someone, seeing those things. I wasn't able to do. I think that's the difference when any field, the difference between good and great. Um, anybody can retain knowledge. Anyone can retain information if it excites them, if they love it, if if it just kind of sparks um, anything to their imagination. But wisdom, to be able to transfer it, that's why all great NFL players, NBA professional guys aren't great coaches because they were able to retain that stuff, but they can't mm. transfer it. College some hard, hard years. Those were years where I was really dealing with the things that caught up to me at an older age. Um, Learning how to do things on my own. I filled out my own FAFSAs. I I didn't have help financially. I hustled in school. That's where I turned to alcohol. That's where for, for seven years when I went to the uh, Carson Newman College for two years. I didn't even drink a Coke, a uh, carbonated drink, let alone think about smoking weed or drinking alcohol. But then once I left and I went to Georgia and then I transferred, it was like the world just collapsed on me. I, I started thinking about all the things in life that had happened and I could not control my emotions. Mm. Um, and so college was a definite, if I would say leave. If you can stay at home, because being comfortable at home, you can get away with so many things. I tell everybody, even my son, son, he wants to play ball. I say, if you love playing ball, don't make it your idol, but you got to do it every day, whether it's playing, doing it physically, mentally. However, you got to do it every single day, but don't let it control you and leave. You can always come back home because once I left, I had to actually deal with the demons mm-hmm. that. What that, was it about it that leaving? Like what what triggered the dealing? The the knowing that I was actually comfortable with the evil that I was surrounded with. And that the hard part is when I left that I took it with me and I tried to shake it by drinking. I tried to shake it with mm-hmm. drugs. I tried to mm-hmm. shake it. I enjoyed hurting people. A long time in my life, I didn't like people. I I didn't. You didn't trust people. Probably, I didn't. Right? I didn't trust people. I was I was mean, man. And if you talk to a lot of people um, from twelve to fifteen years ago, they will tell you, do not deal with Jared. <laughs> <laughs> and people definitely would say different now, as Mike Lemieux can attest to, you know? Man, and it's it's crazy how God will take the same crazy person and still have them crazy, but shift them. Shift them mentally, physically, and spiritually. Um, just the renewing of my heart to see, like, man, I actually, I actually want to help this person. Because mm-hmm. I tell you, I didn't choose training. I didn't, man. Training chose me. I mean, I have, I mean, I, I, tra- I have degrees. I have <laughs> mass, like, 
a trainer, you know what the average pay of a trainer makes in the state of Tennessee? <laughs> I mean, I got a, I almost have a basketball team worth of kids. <laughs> so it is, um, make sure when you go to college, make sure that you're doing it not for anyone else. Um, I'm a numbers guy and a statistics guy. This year, or 2018, was the most millionaires from entrepreneurs in the millennial generation ever. They didn't go to college. Mm. So it's not what people say you have to do. It's what you follow your heart. So if college is in your heart, do it. But don't do it like I did to prove a point, to to show people that you're smart, to show people. um, Because once you reach that goal, then it's empty. Yeah. Then it's empty. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Um, and I, I definitely think the I think that perspective of the choice of not going is going to be even more so out there just because there's so many other ways to learn, Man, you know, and grow. And entrepreneurs, I mean, Nashville's full of them. Yes. All right. So quick shout out to your favorite local restaurant and favorite nonprofit and why. And on that note, what time do you need to get out of here? I got 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, man. Dang it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I got like 10 more questions. <laughs> no, you go ahead. We can run it, man. Because, Mike, they can. Oh, I, I got time. Okay. Let's see. Favorite restaurant? Anything with food. That is our date night. I date my wife every Friday. I call her my girlfriend. We date every Friday. Not so much here lately because she's super pregnant and ready to pop. Um, we just love food. I mean, we went to, what was the one? We just went to a new, I can't even pronounce the name of it. It's, we just love food. Okay. I just love food. So no favorite. No just favorite. Just so many We good just ones so around. many. I mean, I go to the open table app and I go to Resi and we just, every, I, that's, that's our thing. I date my girlfriend every week. Favorite nonprofit. I do like Big Brothers and Sisters. I I do like that. I do like St. Jude. And this is going to sound so... Not everything good is God, man. I, I try to. There are a lot of cancer associations that we work with. My mom just beat cancer uh, six months ago. So that that's near and dear to me and affects so many people in our country. But I don't... I will support anyone if I'm led. I do three things. I write it down, I pray about it, then I move. So it's not necessarily a foundation that I'll, that I'll follow. It's that if I'm led to do it and I feel my heart, then I'll do it. Because I, I try not to have pity on things because if, if it is, then I'm compulsive. And I'll just, just give. Laura's like, Jared, you will dollar us to death. I mean, I will give, 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 give. But I do. I try to, I'll try to give to whatever is on my heart. Mm-hmm. That's cool. All right. So you're pretty open to the food and nonprofit. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Scott Hamilton stated it's a journey, a long one, where you don't always know the outcome when you get started. But if you can learn to find joy in the journey, you can't go wrong. The whole point is that our life is built to one brick at a time. Talk to me about your strength and conditioning journey and how did you build your experience one brick at a time? My strength and conditioning journey started when I was four years old my dad's a fourth degree black belt he had a studio um he trained like i said police department he trained so many people around the area the blue jays used to be in knoxville um he we we would be around olympic my dad had my dad was a four-time undefeated golden glove champ he trained 
the WBA, WBC, welterweight champion, Frankie Randall. So I was around training since I can remember. And I always felt not that I would train, just that I would be in front of people. So the journey, so hard. I went to school. My undergrad was business management, um, minor in psychology. And when I took the GMAT, I said, I am not doing this. I'm not sitting behind the desk. I am ADD. I can't, I can't even sit here. I'm ready to move right now. Uh, <laughs> so I decided, so I went and uh, I went and took the, uh, I can't even remember, the GRE and went back to school for human performance and decided to do that. I mean, I volunteered at schools. I volunteered at TSU. I did so many things. I applied. I mean, I applied after I got hurt playing ball. I applied for 65 schools and every one of them said no, every one. And then a coach from Las Vegas contacted me and asked me to come out and do a summer program. And my wife said, do it. And I said, what? Three months after we were married, do it. So I, I sold my car. So we sold everything. We gave away our whole house. And she went to stay with her mom and dad in Cincinnati and I, Took a journey out to Las Vegas. Um, after the summer program, they asked me to stay. So I stayed and I hated it. Uh, I cry. I used to call crying to my wife. Yes, I cry. I'm the sensitive one. Um, and she said, Jerry, we both agreed on it, so stay. It was hard. Um, I was the only coach with the Masters. I was the only coach that had a lot of the credentials. Um, but I realized it wasn't about credentials. Mm-hmm. I actually love those kids. I love those kids. And, and I realized that in that world, it's a lot different. Not to say every coach is the same, but a lot of coaches have to just, just like sales. You, it, you sell the big opportunity and then you're on to the next one. And so a lot of these kids were chess pieces. Um, and I couldn't deal with that anymore. And that's why I'm here. So the journey here was I was in Las Vegas training. I met Coach Larry Wade, who is a two-time world champ hurdler. He ran the Olympics. And he saw me training inside the gym because he's a coach there. And he said, man, I think we can work together. I started working with Sean Porter, um, world title, welterweight, and Badu Jack, super middleweight world champ. And so I started a program with them. And we worked and worked and they had a title shot and Badu went to New York. And when I went to New York with him, it was eye opener. I was with Badu every day. Like it was, it was amazing. Like he was a great guy. He worked, he didn't really care about the fame. But once I got to New York, you know, we met Floyd Mayweather and all, but it was just a band of people. I mean, it went from just me in the gym with him and Coach Wade doing two days a week and to, 30 people. And then I realized, man, I kind of want to be on the camera too. (laughs) I would rather you say my name or have me on the camera than pay me for this because this is about my career. This is about my family. This is about that. And I realized that people just wanted to be seen. So after he won the title, I'm at the Barclays Center. I did a little YouTube video, which I never released. And uh, I bought a one-way ticket back to Tennessee. Mm. Bought a one-way ticket back to Tennessee and flew in. And my wife was like, what are you doing? And we, she was staying in an Airbnb, 300-square-foot attic. And that's when I found out she was pregnant. 
<laughs> long story short, I went the title the next day. To say the least, I was pissed. I didn't want to be bothered with anybody. I walked in and I was hitting the bag as hard as I could. And I didn't want to be bothered. A trainer came up to me and said, man, have you ever done this before? I said a little bit and kind of kept it short and sweet. He said, man, I want you to meet the owner. So that Wednesday, I literally walked out that Sunday and said, God, if you want me to be here, I'll be here because I just needed to make some money. I didn't know. I just wanted to provide for my family. Wednesday, I um, met Tyler, sat down at the coffee shop, and he, these exact words, I don't know if you're full of crap, but if you're full of crap, keep being that way because you just sold me. So I started training classes, and from there, then six months later, it grew into something different, and now I'm helping run these locations. And it's only God, man. I don't know what's next. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if it's training. I don't know if it's this book that God keeps putting on my heart, if it's podcast. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I just know that I'm tired of chasing happiness because happiness is fleeting. But just like you said, man, joy, that is the hardest freaking thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's like every time, like oh, the half, the glass half full or half empty. What is that? Right. Like when I look, wake up, I'm like, you know, it's it's been hard, man. My I feel like my wife's been pregnant for two years. <laughs> I mean, she has, man. I'm like, I need some physical she attention. Agree, <laughs> yeah, I need some, oh, so I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> so, but I'm like, but that's what we chose. So then I'm like, man, she's blessing me with children. Like God's blessing us with this. But I'm like, man, I am. I'm holding on here. Uh, I'm holding Holding on, uh, like a hair in a biscuit, as my dad used to say. I'm holding on, but uh, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely thankful. <laughs> I'm definitely thankful, but I don't know where this has taken me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've met some some famous people, but it's not about the famous people. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. It's it's. I mean, I've been blessed to work with so many NFL, NBA, like so many people, but it's not. It's the people. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm realizing. Before I used to try to hitch my wagon to their star, and now I'm I'm the star. Mm-hmm. Like we're all stars. Like, man, you're the star here, Andrew. Like, I'm in your. This is yours. Like, this is amazing to me. Like, this is this means more to me when you reached out to me, and for Mike to say Jared Houston on the mic, and like to, for you to reach out, that is the word humble. Like that is the word. It wasn't about self publicity. It wasn't mm-hmm. about anything, man. It mm-hmm. was just like. Like, this is why I do it. Like, I don't know if it's training or serving. Um, and that's what it is. It's serving, man. I can talk all day about it, but uh, my spiritual mentor, uh, I love you, Elderberry. I've been with him for five, four, four and a half, five years. And he said, Jared, your, your calling is not behind the pulpit, but you are ministering every day. Mm-hmm. And it is crazy how many young men I've worked with, how many young women I've worked with, how many people come and go and say, Jared, you are amazing. But there's zero publicity. Mm-hmm. There's zero. Like people just started talking to me about training. I've been doing this for since I was I'm 35. I've been I've been in front of a class since I was four. And I've been training since I got hurt in 2000, since I broke my leg in 2007. Mm-hmm. So I've been training. I mean, this is not brand new. I just never, I was always afraid to be in front of the camera. But, you know, it's funny because whenever I was trying to find some research on you last night, I couldn't. And I don't think you have a website, right? I do not. I'm like, you know, the reality is, and my thought was, well, it's word of mouth. People use them, know them, trust them, refer them, 
So, and that's kind of the funny thing, even in real estate, it's like you could focus on marketing, doing all this stuff, or you can focus on staying top of mind, which is reaching out, which is connecting. And, and I think it's a good mix of both, but you'll have some that go, oh, don't spend any money on marketing, you know, just do this. Um, and I mean, the reality is, is that you can just do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're good enough and people trust you, you know. I mean, that's the trust being yeah. around people. That's like I wasn't trustworthy years ago with myself. So how can anyone else trust me? But I know this is a gift. Like people say, like, you can look on Instagram and see there are trainers with a million followers. and But there are so many self. I don't care about that, man. Like, I don't. Which, but you probably have a lot of people in your ear going, but you got to do some but of this you, stuff. Everybody you know? is telling because, me to do it. You know, I think that, again, that's that balance of like, what if, what if stuff just dries up over here? You need to. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, if it's your gift and your calling, then you owe it to others to give back in that way. Absolutely. You know, to to kind of get yourself out there in a balance, you know. So, um, all right. So let's talk uh, just a few minutes. How'd you meet your wife, Laura? How'd you propose finally? And what did, what kind of joy do your little ones bring you? Uh, I met my wife. Um, I transferred in from Valdosta State, Georgia, and I went to Tennessee Tech. I transferred in. I met my wife. It is the craziest story. I met her in the breezeway, um, and that is two connecting dorms through the corridor at Tennessee Tech. I met her, I first saw her, and I, I mean, I just kind of saw her. I was like, oh, she's kind of cute. Kind of? Right. Kind of cute. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, Laura, kind of. Uh, <laughs> I'm the cute one. Uh, <laughs> no, I did. And I saw her. And then the very next time I saw her, I saw her in history class. I was very lazy at that time. I walked in. I was thought I was the big man on campus, you know, just whatever. I walked in beside her. I climbed over the back seat because she was sitting in the very back. And I looked at her real kind of, you know, kind of. Real sensual, and I said, "Can I copy off of you?" Uh, <laughs> That's all. She, she looked at me, was like, kind of looked at me, kind of sat back with the same look that I see on a day to day basis, and she said, "Okay," just like that. Her uh, kind of stoic look that she always has, <laughs> and um, we got to the very end, and this was a hundred question test, and I. I was always good at history. I was just being lazy. I just didn't want to do it. And we got to the end, and she there was an extra credit question. I was like, that's Eli Whitney in the cotton gin. And uh, she was like, no, it's not. So I made 105, and she made 100. Um, and that is how. The very next time I saw her, this is not a good look. I'm sorry, but I'm telling the truth. Was at Cotton Eye Joe's. Um, I had been drinking, and I finally saw her. She played volleyball. And... I saw her and I walked up to her and picked her up, like literally picked her up in the air. And that was our third encounter. And then from there, we just kind of hit it off. We talked and it just was up and down, back and forth. Um, we were both in different places in our lives. And this is this is how it comes. And now we we see that no one really saw what we had, but it was that what we saw. And that is. She truly is the epitome of the word peace. When I couldn't, when I couldn't fight the thoughts, or I couldn't fight the the like I say the suicidal thoughts, or I couldn't get rid of the anger, she would just look at me and I would just crumble, mm. and she would just say, "Jared, so she is my peace." Wow, she is. 
she is really the strongest woman I've ever met. And I and I do thank God for her. Um, she changed so much and she helped me change by being my help me by really saying, Jared, is it worth it? They used to be her favorite words. She's like, Jared, is it really worth it? And I said, like, but Laura, it's the principle. She said, Jared, is it really worth it? But to see her come from, she's very, her parents, I kind of, their favorite show is Seinfeld. So I kind of, they're like a Seinfeld skit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they're very dry. I love them. Um, but they're very, they're not, my family is very touchy-feely, lovey. They're not. And so for, for me to come into that dynamic is is very, her dad's very stern. He's very type A, which I love Joe. Um, but give the remote up sometimes, Joe. Daggone it. Um, <laughs> the, everything is structured. And I love that to the thermostat of when it goes to a certain, they know when they're retired, they're retiring because he has the age where they can spend a certain amount. I love that because it's taught me so much. But to see how much she's grown with our children, our first, our daughter, she is a daddy's girl, but she has changed Laura so much. And Leilani is so much like her, the way she looks, the way she frowns her eyebrows, (laughs) just the way. And I look at her sometimes and I say, little Laura, if you don't come here and she'll just giggle uh, like Laura giggles. And I can tell that we'll have the same type of relationship as far as talking because Laura never says anything but when it's me and her she won't shut up <laughs> really? and that's the blessing like it's like people are like she doesn't say anything but she talks so much and I think that's the blessing like she taught me I used to just like right now just vomit at the mouth just conversation and she's taught me how to kind of preserve that for us mm-hmm. and that is mm. the fun part yeah, yeah that's the fun part is because i do have so much to say i want everybody here i want it but she's like when it's us we can sit in the room drink coffee and watch seinfeld and not say a word mm-hmm. but it is peace it yeah. is exactly what i needed it is exactly who i wanted and i did not know that mm. She sounded like she had a lot of grace and and love. A lot in of grace, you know. Woo. Um, and quickly, I asked her to marry me on the couch. Okay, just I, it. Of course, you're minutes. you're you're together for fifteen. No, she's so difficult. I tried to. I called her parents in Ohio. They we had. I was going down to Ruby Falls. I had a great day planned. She said, "I don't really feel like doing anything this weekend." The next week, I had a. Uh, we were going to go to Biltmore. I had all this stuff planned. I just really just feel like taking a hike. Oh my gosh! Then the next week, we're going to have a restaurant, and I was going to have it this beautiful restaurant. I thought it was beautiful. I can't remember where it was at. It tells you how beautiful it was. Um, and she was just didn't feel like doing anything. So one day we were sitting on the couch and. Um, I just, it was right after premarital because we both vowed not to do anything during premarital. And I, and I came over and I was sitting on the couch and I looked at her and she jumped back like, she jumped back like I pulled a knife on her. Her face jumped back. She was like, what are you doing? And I said, baby, I, I just, you, you're my life and I want you to be my wife. And uh, <laughs> she got emotional. She's not emotional, but she got emotional and well, she couldn't believe it. And honestly, I couldn't believe it. I drove, I did a turnaround. I drove all the way to Ohio to get the ring and drove all the way back because it was the only one in the store. And when I saw it, I knew that's which one I wanted. I couldn't wait because she knows if if I 
if I make my mind up on something, I'm doing it now. Mm-hmm. I'm not waiting, Andrew. I'm doing it now. Mm-hmm. We got to do it now. So I drove all the way to Ohio. I drove five and a half hours. I got that ring and I drove all the way back in the same day. And I was so excited. I couldn't sit on it, but I did. I planned, planned, and planned. And, and afterwards, she said, she said, Jared, I'm glad that it happened the way that it did. Um, she's not a person that likes to do stuff in the open. And it's kind of like the Lord, you know, the things you do in secret really come out and open and people find out who you are and what you do. Um, but the thing that epitomizes my wife, you know, all the women were talking about her friends. How, what, what type, what, how did you pick that ring? It's beautiful and all this stuff. And she said, I didn't. Mm. Uh, she said, Jared, she said, she told me one day, uh, in marriage counseling, she said, um, whatever ring that he does premarital, she said, whatever ring he decides is the ring that I deserve. And that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You knew her well enough. Um, all right. So let's see. Gum it, Andrew. <laughs> I didn't even know you were going there. Yeah, I didn't know. Um, I know. I, like <laughs> I don't, I don't ever know. I don't ever know. I don't ever know. I don't ever know, man. So uh, your personal mantra is want to because the want to change is a growth mindset. And that starts within. Wanting to is the first step to any great success. Um, I guess share about that a bit and how that relates to uh, physical training and workout and everything. When I was younger, I wanted, I didn't want to change. I wanted to be angry. I wanted to be self-centered. I wanted to be, I wanted it to show it be about Jared. March the 24th. When the Lord found me, I changed everything. I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. I, I just went cold turkey, everything. And I realized at that time I wanted to be different. Didn't realize how hard that would be. <laughs> yeah. But I knew right then it would. And that's what relates to day-to-day. Wanting, want to is just essentially open your mind and open your heart for a change. And when you ask God for a new heart, when you ask God for a new mind, then you do those things and he does do it. Then you do. You have to want to do it daily because it's always easy um, because that person, the other person on the outside of your mind is going to be tapping you. Diablo is going to be tapping you to keep hitting that spot to say, hey, you're still this same person that you were. You still that same self-centered. You're still this same person that you used to be when you have to want to think differently. You have to think new every day, because if not, you're going to stay in that same space. You, and that is training. I mean, you have to want to change, not because of what Instagram says or social media says. You have to want to change lifestyle. You know, all trainers say it's a lifestyle change. It's a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle change, but you got to want to do it. Not just a lifestyle change, because the biggest lifestyle change is going to be what people don't see. Mm-hmm. People yeah. don't see what, what 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 my wife and I do. People don't see the you putting together this right, ramble. Right. People don't thinking. see that. Yeah. People people don't see how you went through and the the intricacies of how you went through and pressed down the wood stuff in between the cracks and had to go through. They just see the final result. Which and, is why you got to get that book out. Whew. Whatever book it is, but I'm sure it entails something with the depth of that story. It's going to be called posture. It tells about a lot of fights and things that I had and how my posture was different as a broken chair. And then when it's sitting upright, how you walk through your life, upright, circumspect. I mean, you're, you're trying to be straight. You're trying to do these things, but you go left, you go right, you go every way. But God, if you just continue to try, he'll keep you on your path. Mm-hmm. And that is crazy, man. 
so I do want to change. I want to change today. I want I want to change, not for me. I want to change for people. I want to consistently challenge people mm-hmm. because that's the difference between my training and everybody else. I'm gonna push you from day one. If you don't want to change, then don't come see me, because so many people have reached out because they say, "Man, it looks good. This ain't fun." <laughs> This is not fun. This is, you're going to be sore. You're going to hate me. You're going to sometimes want to fight me. But I'm going to love on you. But you have to want to do it. Mm-hmm. And and that's why it is. That that mantra is, is it's so simple, but it's so in-depth. It's so deep. It's it's the it's the mind mindset switch, right? Absolutely. When you, when you just, yeah, it's, it's making that. Yeah, that's good. If you could go back in time to 1974 and you had front row tickets to see Muhammad Ali and George Foreman, who would you invite to the match that has a has had a big impact on your life and why? My dad. My dad, we used to sit down and break down fights on a beta machine. <laughs> we used to watch all the fights. And we would sit back in the back room, regardless of what was going on, regardless of abuse regardless of anything happening when those fights came on at night my dad would sit down and he would break them down jerry you should move your foot like this stand up move that jab slip here and nothing else mattered nothing else mattered maybe the next day maybe after that it go right back to it but a lot of things happened during those times and i would i would i would have my dad Mm -hmm. um right there with me to watch another fight to break it down and for me for him to to tell me what's going to happen then it happened and i'll be like man you know everything about boxing <laughs> um but it was learning people's body language it was learning so much that just in a 12 round fight 15 at that time just in those rounds that tells you so much about your life because our life is a fight yeah it's a fight um, from the opening bell to the closing bell to the warning it's a fight man so uh but yeah that's you know just thinking of that that's our, i think our our job as parents to prepare our kids to hopefully they don't have to step in that ring so often right teach them from our experiences but know that they're going to be stubborn and do it their own way at times but the goal is loving them so they don't have to have to fight that all the time. Absolutely. You know? To know that they are loved and right. to know they don't have to earn someone. It's already, mm. we don't have yeah. to earn it. Let's, cr- yeah, let's not talk about that. All right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's uh, oh, man. Having, having the kids is definitely three boys. All right, so actually last question. From yes, the great sir. words of Paul and Timothy 4-7, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. When this journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? I think it's still something being written. I mean, Andrew, your testimony is my legacy now, right? My testimony is your legacy. It's still being written. I I don't know what legacy it is that I want to be left, but I do know that I want people to know to know me as a God-fearing man that is trying daily. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's all I know. Um, I don't have <laughs> I don't have a nice headstone written out, but yeah, the legacy. Someone will write that legacy for me. 
just like someone wrote my bio because I couldn't write it and they and I sent them all my yeah. stuff, someone will write that. So so maybe that's what I'm asking is that at the end, someone, many, can write a legacy who Jared Houston stood for and and what he stood for and why he stood for it. And 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 God willing it is for his glory. So yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I said like one more question two ago. But the last one, listening to the testimony that Mike gave you, elaborate on that and how boxing, the aggressive, just being able to take, like, how, how, how does that healing process work? And Releasing. It's like every punch that you have, if you throw with, my dad would say, throw with intent. You can throw with intent to hurt. You can throw with intent to release. That is exactly what boxing was, and that's why I avoided it for so long. Um, I never implemented martial arts in my training until about four years ago um, because I thought it was something that was so debilitating in my life when I was younger, but then I realized how empowering it was. When you empower someone how to throw a correct jab or, or how to do, it's not just about the technique. It's about putting everything you have behind that punch, everything that's made you mad, everything that's hurt you, and releasing it. That's what boxing is to me. That's what martial arts is to me. But not doing it in a way that is hurtful to anyone else. Because throughout that whole process, you can fight, you can, but you're letting it go. And if that's one thing I could, that I learned from a childhood was that you can let it go in a constructive way. And not just by hurting someone, but by building up the same martial arts that I learned from such a young age that I used to hurt people is the same martial arts that I, that shifted, that, that the Lord has helped me shift to help people release it and let it go. The same intensity, the same feeling, the same hurt, the same everything, just a subtle shift to help me release that. And and to empower people to know that that they can do that is amazing. It's amazing because I never would have thought it. Mm -hmm. I never would have thought it because I always ran from it Um, to think that I would be back here in a small gym doing this. Never would have thought it. Um, So I am thankful for that. But. Yeah, man, to release yeah. everything you have is fun. Awesome. It's fun. Yeah, I've, I've, I've often wanted to do some boxing because it's great yeah. workout, right, to just keep doing it. But, uh, man, I would, I've would i seriously got like 10 more questions I'd ask you, but I'm going to respect your time. Maybe we'll do a, a part two with Jared like yes, in, a, in a, a month or two or three or something. Maybe I won't talk so much. I'm sorry. No, dude, that's the that's the point of it. Like, I love I love the talking. Um, and and it's nice because sometimes I listen back. I'm like, man, I talk too much. It's like shut up and let them talk. So, all right. So tell uh, tell the tell the audience where they can find you, where they can connect, where you can beat their butt into the ground with your yeah. training. Well, you can you can get you can catch me down at Title Boxing Club Church Street. That's Midtown. Um, or in Title Boxing East Nashville. Now, anytime you guys can reach out to me at Jared underscore Houston, that's my Instagram handle. And and like I, we're always available. I'm my phone is on twenty four seven. My wife hates it, but she loves it because she knows I'm doing this for something bigger. But um, anytime, guys, I. It's not about the boxing. It's not about that. It's the atmosphere. When you come down, it is contagious. Tell everybody, nobody cares unless they know you care. 
We have a great group of guys and women that come in, they love on you, and they beat you up. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andrew. You're welcome. Jared, thanks again for your time, and uh, go have fun with uh, Mike and Ashley. Right? Yeah, no, they're going to yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> you tell them it's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure you can tell. I love that interview. I hated to cut it short. I actually, I felt bad because uh, he was uh, late um, working out or training uh, Mike Lemieux and Ashley, who, if you remember, Mike Lemieux was on the podcast um, a couple weeks ago. And um, actually through Mike, I had uh, kind of started following Jared and and then I reached out and, and wanted to see if he wanted to uh, do an interview. So anyways, I probably had like five or six more questions that I would have loved to uh, have asked. Jared and we didn't even get to the interview or the uh, real estate minute because I ha- I know he had to he had to get out of there and go train. So, anyways, we might uh, I might sit down with him again for a uh, episode part two with Jared because uh, yeah that was some great stuff, great transparency. Hopefully, you walked away with some uh, some great insight into him. And um, obviously, if you need a personal trainer, look him up with Tennessee Title. The sponsors for the podcast are the one and only me, Andrew Buckwalter, with Buckwalter Impact Group of Benchmark Realty. If you have any real estate needs in Nashville, if you're looking to buy or sell or looking for investment properties, make sure to give me a shout. I love doing the podcast. I love meeting new people. I love sharing the stories and sharing what others are doing in Nashville. But first of all, I love real estate, so I am here to help you. If you have any lender needs, make sure to give Brandon Hutchison a shout with Legacy Mutual. And if you are in need of a good title, David Weber with Limestone Title and Escrow would love to have your business. Next week, I will be sitting down with Kenny Wood with Charcoal Cowboys. He uh, is a barbecue specialist. I don't know exactly what he calls himself, but I know his barbecue is great. He has uh, he does some catering in Nashville, and they have a store in, or not a store, a restaurant in Nolansville. Um, so I'm going to sit down with him and talk all things barbecue and hear a bit of his story. And um, actually, as I'm interviewing this right now, I'm uh, getting ready to hitch up to the Rambler and head over to Nolansville. So make sure to tune in for that. If you liked the episode, as always, feel free to leave a review. Let me know what you think. Obviously, we spend the time sharing people's stories. I want to make sure that it's relevant to to people listening. So uh, again, thanks for your time. Make sure to check out the show notes for more details on Jared and how you can connect with him. And if you want to take some fitness serious, you can reach out to him and he can do that. And now sit back, turn up the volume and listen to Ross Holmes.
you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes and be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time, 